Hey, good morning, church. Good singing, man. That is some good stuff, isn't it? I almost, uh, I feel full. I feel full after having uh, that time together. Thank you, worship team, for your, for your help with us. Hey, welcome to you who are online this morning. It's good to have you as well. You know, um, a blessing of being able to be online is uh, people are watching when they're on vacation right now. I know people that have mentioned that they watch while they're camping, and so it's not just a home kind of a thing either. So wherever you are online, uh, just thankful that you're a part of our ministry with us here this morning. Hey, let's just take a second, um, and for those who are here in the building and even online, can you uh, grab your connection card? So if you're in the building, uh, right in front of you is a connection card, and if you're online, there should be some electronic ones no matter what forum you're watching on, and let's um, be sure that we can kind of chat with one another a, a little bit there. If you would fill those out, just let us know that you're here, and certainly please let us know if there's any prayer items that we can um, pray for you for. And as you, as you do fill those out, here's a few things to keep in mind. Um, one is this month of September. Welcome to September. I can't believe it is here. And once September happens in northern Michigan, here is fall. Someone flipped the switch, and uh, we are in fall already. But September for us this year is Missions Month. And there are some very special uh, ministries that we want to support, and one we're going to mention here today and that you see on the screen is Finish Line Ministries. Uh, they are distributing food to their orphans and day school students during a food shortage, um, and, and it's due to COVID pandemic. And you know, we want to be able to partner with Finish Line. Finish Line is a strategic an effective ministry that we've partnered with for years here at East Bay Calvary. So this is one of the matching challenge ministries that we are focusing on through Missions Month. So when we give, this is one that we are specifically targeting. So please, um, through the month of September, let's give, let's give generously to missions, and even online, if you give online, there is a drop-down tab under our giving tab to be able to give to missions month, and any giving here in-house, make sure that we specially note that for those ministries. Fall ministries are going to be cranking up, and I know um, these are in the back of the auditorium or in the foyer, you can pick these up. They outline a number of things that are coming up very soon. And I'm not gonna go over all of them, but we have some things coming up even during the nine o'clock hour. Um, and please note those, we have some special equipping opportunities for people during the nine o'clock hour. And so what'll be happening is we will have our nine o'clock service in here as well as our 10:30 service but during the nine o'clock hour there are also downstairs special equipping classes for those that want to connect with those and we would encourage that now we don't have all of our ministries 
cranking up as we have had in the past. And there's a couple priorities still that we're sensitive with through COVID. And, and one is space. And we have our two services to be able to allow for space, comfortable space for everyone. And then another one is single-use rooms. And here in the auditorium, in between our services, you know we clean. We have a rapid clean. But single-use rooms downstairs for our classrooms, that's why we're not going to be doing children's ministry during the 9 o'clock hour downstairs. And that way, because we do have children's ministry during the 10.30 hour, and we just don't feel we're in a position to clean our entire church in 15 minutes or less. That would be quite the task. So we pray and look forward to the day when we don't have to worry about all of these things. But for right now, we're going to be sensitive and care for our community. We're going to have single-use rooms, or we're going to allow for space for the time being and care for one another that way. But do pick up one of these, and you'll see these online to our different ministries coming up this fall. And do note that baptism by the bay, like I said, as long as it's not frozen over, September 27th at 2 p.m., and we're looking forward to that. Uh, if you're interested in baptism by the bay, and we have a good number of baptismal candidates, if you're interested in that and going public with your faith, just mark that on your connection card, whether online or here in-house, and then next Sunday, September 13th at 11 a.m., in room 201, we're going to have a baptism class for you. So it'll be during the second service, a baptism class. We look forward to that. Okay, that's a whole mouthful. When you are done in-house, go ahead and put those connection cards in the giving boxes as you leave this morning. Uh, please take care of those. And also, since it is Communion Sunday, if I forget at the end, it is also our helping hand Sunday, and there's a little giving box in the middle, separate from our other giving boxes. The helping hand giving box in the middle goes to help people in need, and our deacons uh, distribute those, and we're thankful that they help folks with special needs uh, financially. Grab your Bible. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to finish up Hebrews chapter 6 today. We have something in common with the first century recipients of this general letter called Hebrews. And as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 6, here's the one thing that we have in common. They too were sailing in stormy waters. What an odd day for us today. So much instability and insecurity. It's like, what in the world is going on today? But you know, we're not the only ones that have gone through an odd time. In the, in the time of these people that received this letter, they were going through a very difficult time. Their world was stormy, it was rocky, it was uncertain, and it impacted everything in their advancement for Jesus Christ. And it's a part of the reason for the writing of this letter. And in fact, now this goes all the way back to January. When we started this series, there were a few verses from Hebrews 10 that set up our very first discussion on Sunday about this. And here's, here's those verses, Hebrews 10, 32 through 35. 
This is, this is um, a part of the context of the whole book. It says, remember those earlier days after you received the light. So when they had first become believers, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. And so he finishes, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So to these Hebrew believers... They were going through, just like us, stormy waters. Their life's vessel was getting rocked. It was going backwards and forward. And the writer gives a vivid analogy, friends. This is rich. This thing is something that I am praying when you leave here this morning, even though you walked in here half asleep. I'm praying this analogy grabs your heart and burns an image in your mind that you will never forget. And here's what it is. Because it did burn an image in the minds of the church for two millennia already, and I'm going to prove it to you at the end of our time together. It's in Hebrews 6. Look at verses 19 and 20. In the stormy waters, in the terrible times of life, the writer of Hebrews points out verses 19 and 20. We have this hope. Are you looking at it right here? We have this hope as a what? Okay. All three of you that are awake, thank you. We have this hope as a what? As an anchor. It's an anchor. And it's an anchor for our souls. It is firm, it is secure, and it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you, even though you might be snoozing on the inside you, my friend, are here on purpose today. God has a divine appointment for you, whether in this building or online, for you and this passage, without a doubt. No matter how crazy this world is, no matter how stormy the sea of life that you are in, no matter how unique <clears throat> and magnified social media makes the waves of our world. 
No matter what the winds of your personal, relational, or financial adversity, how heavy they beat against your boat, even if you're being rocked and tossed, and truthfully, you might even feel seasick from all of life, no matter what the storm is like and what sea is like for you today, God wants you to know in this room and wherever you are on the other side of that camera, God wants you to, to know today you have an anchor. Are you tracking with me on this? You have an anchor. You are not at the mercy of your sea. There's something on the other side of the water that you can link to, that is solid, that is secure, that you can attach to, that is immovable, no matter what the sea is that you are in today. And this is what this text is all about. And we all need to hear this. So let's look at it. In fact, here's the big idea today. What's your anchor attached to? What's your anchor attached to? Would you say it with me? What's your... That's the question. What's it attached to? So the writer here seems to know a thing or two about boating, anchors, storms. Sometimes this makes people wonder, is this really the Apostle Paul? Because, you know, he went through a couple shipwrecks in his time. But here's something about this anchor, and let's talk about the analogy, and then we're going to look at the overall reality of what this anchor here he's talking about is secured to. So notice he mentions we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is firm and secure. So the words firm and secure are near synonyms of each other. Firm means safe, incapable of being moved. Secure is very similar and means secure in itself. Assured, it means confident. And here's how anchors work. When the circumstances we are in are dangerous or wanting to take us off course. You know, I'm in this boat and the boat is in the sea and the sea is just out of control. And it threatens to take me in a direction that I do not want to go or maybe even flip my boat over. This is the reality of how anchors work. Maybe in my life I'm in this relationship and it started calm and enjoyable, but now it is rocky, it is scary, it is potentially dangerous. Maybe my finances, my job, my health, my status, you know, when whatever we are in becomes unsteady or insecure, maybe our nation, 
You know, some of us in this room, we remember a day when our nation, our world was so much more secure and steady and reliable. And now we look at it and we're like, what in the world is going on? So when whatever we're in becomes unsteady or insecure and it brings us worry or fear, maybe it's even us. I used to be so much more secure and now I feel so unstable right now. Here's how these things work. Anchors work in that they are not grounded to your circumstance. But rather they go through your circumstances and they transcend your situation and they firmly connect us to what is steady and secure and immovable on the other side of our circumstances. Are the light bulbs going on for us here? So our anchor transcends everything that we're going through. Our anchor is not our relationship. Our anchor is not our finances. Our anchor is not our health. Our anchor is not our popularity. Our anchor is not our self. Our anchor goes through all of those things because all of those things are insecure. All of those things can change. All of those things can be moved. Our anchor goes through those things to something else that is immovable. They are secure. Is this analogy clicking here? You know, if you're in a boat and the storm is rocking the boat, it does no good to fix your anchor to the boat. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Wow, this thing's out of control. Let's put our anchor to the boat. It doesn't make any sense. And it does no good to dangle our anchor in the water. Just put it down about three feet. See how that thing does. Does no good. And worse yet, it does no good to, hey, wrap the anchor around me. I think I can secure this thing. But that's so often what we see in our world and sometimes in our own lives. People anchor in that which is insecure. They anchor in relationships. They anchor in substances. You know, when things are going downhill, let's go to the pillbox or to the cabinet. They anchor to possessions. I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to grab more things. Or they anchor to finances or even religious duties. You know, I need to go and I go through my duty and maybe that will help me. Or they anchor to status or to pleasure. People anchor to other objects that are not firm and secure. They are not immovable. And we learn the all-important lesson. Here's the lesson right here 
It is our anchor is only as good as what it is attached to. Our anchor is only as good as what it is attached to. So let's talk about it. What is this anchor here in Hebrews 6, 19 and 20? What is this attached to? So it mentions we have this. Are you looking at it? We have this. What does it say? We have this hope as an anchor. So right off the bat, we know that this anchor is an anchor of hope. And then it says, it is firm and secure. Well, I wonder what is anchored in. I wonder what it is firm and secure in. And it mentions it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Now, if you've been with us in Hebrews, this is Old Testament tabernacle imagery. He's talking about the holy of holies. So let me just give you the reality. Our anchor of hope, here's number one, our anchor of hope rests in Jesus being our sacrifice and priest, period. Our anchor of hope rests in Jesus being our sacrifice and priest. So, you know, um, when we talk about hope, in our day, hope is kind of a wish. You know, man, I hope that this works out. You know, I hope the Detroit Lions win a game this year. I hope COVID ends soon. You know, I hope I have a good birthday party this year. I hope we wish for things. And you know, that kind of hope, the power of it rests in the one who is wishing. You know, if I wish hard enough, if I hope hard enough, maybe it will come to pass. Wish harder, hope harder, think harder. But you know, what we're talking about here in the Bible when it says we have this hope, it's not talking about what we wish for or hope for or desire it's talking about a confidence. It's talking about something that we know is going to happen, an assurance, because it's rooted in Jesus. And so he's saying, biblical hope is not a wish for or desire for. Biblical hope is a confidence or an assurance of. And so world's hope is the power of it rests in the one who is wishing Biblical hope is assurance or confidence, the power of which rests in the one who is giving. So biblical hope doesn't rest in me wishing for. Biblical hope rests in Jesus who is giving it. And I just have confidence 
in what he's doing. So let's look at three things about this anchor. It is an anchor of hope. The starting point, this tabernacle imagery, it enters behind the curtain. And this is what he's talking about. We have a hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters behind the curtain in this inner sanctuary, this holy of holies. This is where the high priest would go on our behalf or on behalf of the people to meet with God and make sacrifices to atone for their sins. So already you can see that this hope is rooted, that anchor is rooted in something that is spiritual and supernatural. Its starting point is in this holy of holies. The connecting point is next. It's mentioning in verse 20 where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. So the connecting point is Jesus. He is the one that connects us with God. We don't connect ourselves with God. We don't wish ourselves to God, but Jesus, it says, he's the forerunner. Here's the difference between Jesus and the Old Testament priests, or one of the differences. Jesus, it says, is a forerunner. A forerunner is someone who goes so we can come behind him. The Old Testament priests went into the Holy of Holies, but you know what? None of the people could go in behind him. None of the people could go to God behind him. He just went in and he came back out. But Jesus went in to the Holy of Holies as a forerunner. Basically, he's saying, you know what? I went in and I paid the sacrifice so that you could come after me to God. You can come directly to God. That's the connecting point of this anchor. So the starting point, it happened in the Holy of Holies where Jesus went to God on our behalf. He was our forerunner. He connected us to God. And then the anchor point, this is the beauty of it, it mentions Jesus has entered on our behalf. He became our sacrifice, not only our priest, but our sacrifice so that we can be fully forgiven, have a restored relationship with God, and have direct personal access to God. That is the anchor point done. We are connected, firm and secure to God through Jesus Christ. When our hope, faith, and trust is in Jesus, in what we celebrated a little bit earlier, that communion, that he died physically on our behalf to bear our punishment for our sin. Now, different than a ship. A ship drops anchor down. Our anchor ascends and connects to Jesus Christ in heaven where we go beyond the uncertainty, the insecurity, and the instability to the only immovable hope that I'm loved, that I'm forgiven, that I'm accepted by God through Jesus Christ's sacrifice for me. No matter what happens to me, no matter what happens around me, because of Jesus, I'll inherit eternal life 
with God in heaven when I end up leaving this place. Now that sounds like pretty good hope to me, wouldn't you say? That's an anchor for the soul. It reminds me of an old song from my growing up years. And one of the verses and the chorus goes like this. And you know it's written based on Hebrews 6.19. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Now here's the words. This is Hebrews 6.19. In every high and stormy gale, would you read that last phrase with me? My anchor holds within within the veil. Read the chorus with me, would you? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground. Our anchor of hope, folks, the only hope is Jesus being our sacrifice and our priest. Here's number two. Our anchor of hope is secure because of God's promises and his oath. Here's the rest of the passage. And I give these to you quickly. This is really special, but this is the whole understanding. How can God give this anchor of hope? How do we know it is secure because God's promises and his oath. If you look up at verse 13, he says, you know, God made this promise to Abraham and there was no one greater for him to swear by, so he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And he goes on, people swear by someone greater than themselves. And the, oak, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. And God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. So here's how this anchor of hope is secure. It is secure because of God's promises and because of his oath. How do I know God's gonna come through? How do I know God is gonna deliver? It is because he promised it. And first of all, his promises are unchanging. That's verses 13 to 15. And I love this analogy. He mentions Abraham. And there's two things about Abraham. Number one, I don't know if you know, um, God promised Abraham he would have many descendants. And Abraham was 100 years old when he had Isaac. I'm 50. And let me just tell you, we're done having children. And Abraham was halfway there. 
And God keeps his promises no matter how long it takes. And we think, you know what? I think he's forgotten. It's been a long time. Time didn't change God's promises. Here's the second thing. When Abraham was 85, he got impatient. And I love, I kind of chuckle when it says, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. You know, I kind of chuckle because there was a point he didn't wait patiently. And he kind of tried to force God's hand, and he and his handmaid had a baby, Ishmael. And truthfully, Abraham blew it. And our world is still paying the consequences today for Abraham's decision. But you know what? Time didn't change God's promises, and Abraham's failure didn't change God's promises. God's promises don't fade in time. They don't fizzle with our failures. God's promises are not based on our character. They're based on his character. And his character doesn't change. His oath is unalterable. His promises are unchanging. You know, when we take an oath, like in a courtroom, we promise on something greater than us. We put our hand on the Bible and we make a sacred oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. You know, when we were kids, we made crazy oaths that showed up you know, they're supposed to show we were serious, like, hey, I swear on my relative's grave, or honest to God, or the greatest oath of all, you know, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. You know, how mature was that? But when you're God, who do you swear by? I mean, what's greater than God? So when God gives his word, it's irreversible. And thankfully, God's promises depend on his character, not ours. Man, if they depended on our character, we are toast, people. We are in deep trouble. But God said, you know, I made a promise, I made an oath, and I'm coming through for you. And that's why it's an anchor if it's dependent on our character, that ain't going to be an anchor. But dependent on God's character, that's an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. So you're in your boat. Life around you is stormy and insecure and unpredictable, you know. God never encouraged you to put your anchor in the boat. He never encouraged you to put your anchor in your world. He never encouraged you to put your anchor in yourself. But he wants you to put it in something outside of all of that. Outside of your circumstances, he wants you to put it in something solid, an eternal hope of acceptance and relationship with God that is secure because 
of the sacrifice of Jesus and the unbreakable promises of God. Can I give you one last thought? Life's storms prove the strength of our anchor. Life's storms prove the strength of our anchor. I'm going to tell you about the catacombs. Do you know what the catacombs are? Have you heard about them? There's catacombs in a number of different places in the world, but specifically the catacombs in Rome. The catacombs in Rome were formed in the first couple centuries A.D. when believers were being persecuted for their faith. And they were tunneling into the rock to hide and be protected from persecution. And then in the end, to bury their believing loved ones. There's over 60 catacombs that have been found in, in Rome over hundreds of miles of tunnels and thousands and thousands of graves. And as they dug into the limestone and as they dug in and made graves, on the sides of the tunnels and placed their loved ones, they would make images and carvings and writings in the limestone around their loved ones' graves. And I'm sure you could imagine as believers some of the most famous carvings would be crosses or fish, a sign of Jesus Christ. But here's these people whose worlds were crumbling, who could be fearing and running for their life, who were taking their loved ones and putting them into a rock in a cave in the ground. And let me tell you one of the most popular carvings in the catacombs by the graves were these. You need to see them. Was an anchor. That no matter what was going on in their world, no matter what the storms of life were, their anchor went through it. They weren't anchored in their world, in their circumstances. They didn't need life to go perfectly. But they were anchored in the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ. Their hope wasn't here. It was there. And they put their loved ones in the hewn rock and they carved the anchor and they said, our hope is on the other side. That's our hope. It's not here. Can I encourage you? Make sure your anchor 
is firmly set in Jesus. It's got to be. Not pleasure, not finances, not job, not fame, not possessions. Only anchor in what is secure or you're setting yourself up for failure. You know it as well as I because I've done it. We need to stop anchoring in what is insecure, hoping in what is insecure, but truly anchor in Jesus Christ. Put our faith and trust in Jesus. And so for people here today, what that is going to be is to confess to Jesus that I believe, I believe he died for me. I believe he died to bear the penalty for my sin. I believe he is my high priest who went to God on my behalf, and I believe he's my sacrifice for my sin. He bore the punishment for my wrong. I believe, God. Forgive me. I'm not here to run my life. I want you to run my life for me. My anchor is set in Jesus Christ. Number two, yeah, only anchor in him. I love this phrase, Anchor in the hope of the Savior or live at the mercy of the storm. Number three, continue to trust God's promises. This is one of the best passages on eternal security. Don't wonder if God has forgotten you or maybe your sin has put you in a position that God has done with you. Trust Jesus. I remember a, a gal when I was growing up, every Sunday she would walk the aisle thinking she needed to get resaved because she had done something wrong. Our salvation is an anchor. It's secure. He's our living hope both now and forevermore. And so we finish, and I ask, what is your anchor attached to? What's it attached to? Would you stand with me? Can you answer that in your mind with your eyes closed, not even worried about anyone else around you? It's you and Jesus. What is your true anchor attached to? Father, In the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we have a room full of anchors that go through our circumstances, through the waters, through the challenges and trials and struggles and insecurity of our world and our day and our lives and go straight to the one, the only immovable hope of the world, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our living hope. Our living hope for today and our living hope for eternity.
Thank you. Thank you, Father, for the one. We worship him. We love him. Thank you for the reminder that he's our anchor. And we put our faith and trust in him. And all of you, Spake Calvary said, amen, amen. Hey, good to see you. Even on this groggy Labor Day weekend, remember we do mask up on the way out, but take your time out there and linger together. Say hi to each other and have a good rest of the day. God bless you.